Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Geek Peak. Today I'm sharing with you the episode about mice and murder. This was an all-college humor season of Dimension 20 and it was a lot of fun to watch. But before it even began, I talked to Brennan and had some fan questions answered. This interview was hilarious and I am so happy you get to listen to it now. Before I send you over to listen to this interview, please take a moment to check out my Patreon and support the show and my creative journey. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Cohen. And if you decide to join my little journey, you'll get shout outs and early access to everything on my plate. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. So first of all, before we begin this uh, nice interview, Brennan, tell me how are you feeling for season nine of Dimension 20? <laughs> I can't believe it. We make a lot of this show, huh? Um, uh, we, I, I'm, I'm amazed and astounded. You know, the, the, um, the time has absolutely flown by. And, and there are some, there are some days where I wake up and go like, oh man, like I've been making this show for years, you know, like where, where it feels, it feels sort of expansive because like nine seasons, holy moly, it's a lot of seasons. And then there are other days where I remember that we premiered, we premiered in like, 2018 you know what i mean that like we premiered yeah it was 2018 what, yeah 2018 like we so we premiered two and a half years ago and i'm like oh god we just started um so it it changes from day to day but there with the, with a ninth season i don't know it's so it's wild to hear you say that i hadn't even done that math in my own head <laughs> but it does you know, it's a dream come true for any for any creative person to to be able to go like, yeah, I've made nine seasons of a show. I like I've done I like I've found this this avenue where I can be creative and I can do it as uh, for a living and uh, you know obscene good fortune, obscene obscenely obscenely lucky. That's, that's how I feel. Well, you already have more seasons than Game of Thrones. <laughs> 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 yeah, we would have liked some more HBO. We would have liked some more. Ended a little abruptly, huh? <laughs> Hashtag true story. <laughs> um, okay, so the first question here is, what's the inspiration for this season? So the inspiration for this season, is, this is actually one of those weird Pixar things where like, you know how the, there are like four big Pixar movies that were all like, sort of pitched on the same day. It's like Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story and Finding Nemo were all like one, one meeting at a coffee shop came up with all four of those movies. Mice and Murder, or an idea similar to Mice and Murder, came up in the very first pitch document for Dimension 20 ever. And essentially what ended up happening was the, um, we ended up going obviously with Fantasy High and The Unsleeping City, which were also pitched in that very first document. And Mice and Murder was one of the ones that was a little bit weirder and, or it was just a, not even weirder, just a little bit like, oh, that's not like a big adventure genre. So maybe maybe that's a, a side project, right? Um, and we then came back around and it was it was a little, a, a little more than a year ago um, where very sadly, uh, all of our 
friends at college humor got laid off. So we had this, this, you know, our parent company sold us and Sam was able to buy the company, but not able to afford keeping everyone, um, everyone employed. And, um, so immediately we jumped, we knew we needed to do another side quest. So we jumped into planning a side quest that would be with the college humor cast. So that's actually one of the original things that started was like, let's do, let's get all of our college humor buddies back in the room. Let's get Grant and Raph and Reka and Katie and, you know, um, Allie Beardsley and myself and Sam. And uh, so we started with the idea from this old pitch document and then just sort of jumped into it and we we're like, oh, how fun for this crew of goofballs, these comedy writers to do this very like Agatha Christie, Sherlock, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle murder mystery, but with these fuzzy little animals. And so th the genesis for that idea was I think more to do with just, um, how do you put it? Uh, we I just saw some comedy in stuff like Wind in the Willows or Peter Rabbit with like a really gruesome murder in it, right? With like the idea of um, fuzzy little English animals and the horrifying murder mystery at like a high society ball. Um, and the cast just jumped into it. They were so, so into it. Okay, so uh, th that actually answers like a, a different question that I had about the, what came first. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, okay, so how did it feel to play with Katie, Grant, Raph, and Sam, who, as far as we know, have little to no experience playing D&D? So this is the season where, where we have the most newbies. We have the most um, uh, it, players who are starting for the very first time. And it was wonderful. Um, what you forget with people like this is that, is that regardless of their inexperience with D&D, these are like masterclass comedians, improvisers. So the big and important things within playing D&D games aren't, I would say that proficiency with the rules of D&D is not a high priority skill to whether or not you're going to have fun your first time playing. Like that's what the dungeon master is for. You have people at the table who are going to be able to help you with the rules. The main thing are, I think, just general storytelling instincts and the degree of comfort and familiarity you have with your fellow players. Um, so, you know, but it definitely dawned on me, like, you know, our most, our veteran players, you know, Sam, Katie, Grant, and Raph had never played before. And then uh, Reka had played Bloodkeep before. And then of course there's Allie Beardsley, but Allie Beardsley tweeted the funniest thing because Allie Beardsley is like the little sibling of the original core cast. Like they started Fantasy High never having played before and have only ever played on camera. And so there's a very funny thing where Allie tweeted out right when uh, the first trailer dropped for Mice and Murder where they were like, finding out that you are going to, and referring to themselves, finding out that you are going to be the most senior player at the table is like finding out that the babysitter is going to be the squirrel from Ice Age. Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> very, very funny. Um, but it, so it was wonderful. It was, it was, playing with new players is never really, like, so I, if, if people would assume that playing with new players is a challenge or a hassle, they're dead wrong. Uh, it just, re it requires you to have a different play style to be more ready to explain things. But new players are just as fun as veteran players to play with if they are invested in the story and these casts were absolutely invested in the story. 
Awesome. Now, um, before we continue, there's one question that uh, everybody who will be watching this will probably kill me that I haven't uh, uh, asked it yet. Uh, so first, how dare you? Uh, people, people always like that. Uh, the second question is kind of an elephant in the room, uh, which is this season is called Mice and Murder. Mm. But where are the mice, Brennan? Brennan, where uh, are the mice? <laughs> well, it's a very fascinating question. And I would say that um, the term mice and murder uh, has significance to the plot and that this is a mystery. And so the audience will just have to watch and figure <laughs> out to which mice we are referring. Um, however, I will say there are more mice there are more mice in this story than there are any other single type of animal. So it's still, they are still, they are not a majority of creatures in the setting, but they might be a, is plurality the right word that I'm looking for? Let me look up the meaning of the word plurality. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the, um, well, in any case, yes, there are more mice than any other single type of animal in the story. Um, but yes, it is not a world exclusively of mice. I saw that people had had become of the opinion that it was going to be a world of all mice. Um, <laughs> I would say be careful of jumping to conclusions on limited information. The season's called <laughs> Mice and Murder, and people were like, God, all mice. And I was like, you don't know that. That's not... The season's just called Mice and Murder. It's an, I'll tell you another thing. Not everyone in the season gets murdered. So, you know... <laughs> So be careful. I mean, you, you have limited information. I wouldn't jump to those conclusions. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. Um, so um, speaking about the world of this uh, season, what can you tell us a bit about this new uh, dimension uh, uh, that we are going to play uh, this season in? This is a really fun one. It's a it's a weird one because it does take place on Earth, but clearly not the Earth of the Unsleeping City, right? Like this is, um, and we've had little animals before. Like we had in Tiny Heist, and there have, of course been animal characters all over the place, right? We've you know there've been animals I think in every single season, and often like talking animals or whatever. For this season. It's a really weird alternate earth where it does take place in England. London is a real place. Texas is a real place. Germany is a real place. Like all these places are real. Um, but um, there are some places that don't exist in real. Like, like this place takes place in an English village called Tufting Meadows. Um, and um, there are no human beings in this world. So all people are animals. So it's, it's very, um, there, which is actually kind of different from like Wind in the Willows or Peter Rabbit where there are like human beings around. But in this world, it's I think a lot more similar to like Redwall, like Brian Jax's Redwall series where animals are all beast folk. They all sort of speak, uh, you know, but uh, uh, in this world as well, there's like as many languages as there are in the real world. So like national borders are still the same thing. Um, 
And there are weird bits of alternate history mixed with real history. Because obviously, if you have nations, then you have to have some version of history. Nations are, are not, don't come out of a vacuum. They are produced by history. But also, there are differences in the history. Like, I think we're like four, like electrification in the industrial era is still happening. But also one of the characters is a veteran of the Schnauzer War, which is a uh, <laughs> uh, obviously not a real war. It's named after a type of dog. But, you know, so it's one of those things where, um, and then also it's very, you know, like European, like early, like late 19th, early 20th century European and American history is filled with a lot of horrors, technological and military and other things like that. So this is one of those things where um, in order to serve the genre and the setting, uh, these animals are more participants in a world with that history uh, than like frog and toad or like Mr. Rat and Mr. Mole would be in like Wind in the Willows. Um, but yes, so it's a very, so the setting is very uh, weird in that way and that we've played in Earth before, but like the Unsleeping City is a very different version of Earth than uh, Mice and Murder, which is Earth, which has always been populated by these like animal people. Okay, so this season is 10 episodes as opposed to previous side quests. Was this mm -hmm. intentional or the story needed more episodes? This was, I believe, intentional from the beginning. And this was sort of a long time coming in that I, I basically talked to, th this, was, this was a sort of an internal discussion that had been happening for some time with Dimension 20, where I basically, uh, there were discussions internally at the company where I had explained over time, having done many seasons, to our execs and to, to sort of the head of the company, um, that doing more episodes in a season gets easier and easier. In other words, doing... So, for example, um, doing one 20 episode season and doing two 10 episode seasons produces the same number of episodes, which is 20. Um, it is, you know, way harder to do two 10 episode seasons. And basically what I was saying is the more episodes we add to like, um, once, like, like, in other words, there is a tremendous amount of work associated just with doing a new season, whether it's six episodes or 10 episodes or 18 or 20 or 25, right? Starting a new season means building a new world, creating a new plot, finding a new antagonist. Um, and, you know, I would say that, for example, like, if expanding a 20 episode season into a 30 episode season, um, if, I, if I'm really being honest, is very little extra work. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's very, adding more episodes into the middle of something is very easy. Beginnings and ends are the hardest parts of stories, right? Adding more middle is like groovy. Like, yes, let's add more middle. The, the players will already have a voice for their character. 
I will be able to build plot around their choices. Yes, we may need to build more battle sets or we may need to add a secondary or tertiary villain or some other antagonist force or whatever, but it will all be occurring in a world that already has key art made for it. And the editors already have the sound effect files for it and all this stuff already exists. You know, starting a new season is always kind of starting from scratch again. Um, so I think the reason that we went to 10 episodes was me kind of just saying like, hey, you know, for whatever it's worth, if it doesn't make a difference to the company between six or 10, um, six feels very short. You know, I think even, and I love all the side quests we've done, Tiny Heist and Blood Keep and Pirates and all this stuff has been incredible. But like any of those could have been 10 episodes um, and it would have been not that much extra work and maybe in some ways easier because trying to finish everything in six episodes can be uh, challenging. So having a couple extra episodes of breathing room, I feel like uh, was better. So, so 10 episodes was honestly, in a lot of ways, uh, something that we did to help me out and make my life a little <laughs> easier. And we love that. We love that we love, we love that for me. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so is Ali's participation in this side quest a sign to see more core cast characters in future side quests? Or was this just like a one-off uh, appearance? I uh, don't want to spoil any of the cool future things that are coming down, the, coming down the, the pipe. But I will say that you are right to notice that Ali is indeed our first, this is the first time that a core cast member is playing in another season. And we've had repeat guests before. I think what's happened is Dimension 20 has been going for a couple of years now. And out of the gate, our first couple side quests were all new players because we were just very excited to like run out and like make new friends and get new people and have more people come in. Um, and then I think the first, the first time we had kind of like double cast somebody was that we had Griffin McElroy come into a... Um, fantasy high one shot because we were in austin texas and we were like oh like come come do it with us right um and then after that it was like we had matt play on pirates of leviathan and then for this one we had ali and reka come in and play again um and it just sort of felt like at a certain point that that we were like um uh that we we have played with so many people at this point that um, we would kind of be shooting ourselves in the foot if we couldn't ask for friends back. You know what I mean? It would almost be like, don't we didn't want to make it an arbitrary rule that like every side quest is all people we've never played with before. Because it's suddenly like, oh, you're going to like, yeah, you could probably do that another two or three times. But after that, you're you're going to start to run out of people. You're going to go like, oh, we've we've really played with a lot of our, our friends in this space. We've played with a lot of like the sort of D&D streamers who are active in the space right now. Um, uh, so it, I think we kind of made our piece too with like, we can cast creatively. We can have a core cast member and a former side quest cast member and new faces and it'll all be great. It'll all work super well. Awesome. Okay. Um, okay. So the minis are back. Uh, shout out to Rick Perry. Mm. Um, so we're all very excited to see Rick's creations, um, but I will ask you, Brennan, uh, how did you manage with minis on the table while your players are at their houses social distancing? It's a great question. 
we started to build mice and murder prior to quarantine this oh. season this season was supposed to be shot this time last year um so we went into production for it in like February of 2020, where, where there were rumblings of something, but it wasn't clear at that point that the whole world was going to shut down. So, you know, we, we started building it. Um, and then we, we're like, okay, do we do it as a remote season? And we're like, well, let's hold off because we've already bought all the minis and stuff. And we already have all this stuff planned. Um, and then it got to the point where we had just been delaying it so much. So this is the highest production value season I think we've ever done because Rick had the time to make the entirety of, because this is a murder mystery, we knew that it was going to take place in this manor house, right? So this is the first time where I haven't had to, to worry about having to improvise something because the entire house was created. The whole manor <laughs> house was created ahead of time. All of the guests, all of the staff, every single character had a mini ready to go ahead of time. And, um, uh, and also it's a full roll 20 season as well. Meaning that Tucker Donovan, our awesome illustrator uh, who did all our character portraits made a representation of Loam Hall, meaning we had a fully illustrated Loam Hall and a fully constructed Loam Hall that were replicas of each other. Wow. And we had Carlos Luna on the day as our Roll20 guru, like sort of our, our you know virtual space wizard making and moving minis on the day in the Roll20. Um, and then we also have our editors fully sound designing everything and the awesome character portraits from Tucker. So there has never been a season where we had as many options of how to portray a given moment between minis, roll 20, character illustrations, and theater of the mind at the table. Um, it's wild. So technically this uh, season started production last year, but you or you own only filmed it like uh, uh, like in the past few months or something or yeah we filmed it last October oh okay awesome so that makes sense with all the timeline uh, in addition to the minis like what mm -hmm. what was the dynamic between the minis and World Twenty like how did it work out so we uh, so when we were doing World Twenty we didn't have any interaction with the minis board the minis board was. I believe Rick Perry was was uh, still working on that while we were shooting. And um, so we just used the Roll20 assets, but we had pictures and photo reference of all the miniatures so that people could see what everyone looked like and what the spaces looked like. And they could interact with the, the space um, kind of geographically on Roll20, which was super helpful. Um, so our minis board here uh, uh, is was almost just a sound stage for these dramatic recreations, where where it was sort of like we had these moments, and then we had the whole cast and the entire and all the sets ready to go to shoot these amazing. And and again, like some of the the heroes of our production are always Michael Schaubach, our director, uh, and Santiago Bazzi, who's our uh, director of photography, who take Rick's awesome minis and compose the shots and add special effects and do these tracking in motion shots. So 
our PCs were actually primarily interacting with Roll20 and the minis were primarily a post-production element. Uh, they were shot, they were filmed after we, we recorded the game and then added in post to, for dramatic effect. Awesome. So that's like what Shabak did like with the uh, um, Crown of Candy uh, when, uh, when they were adding like after you shot the episodes, they were like moving stuff uh Shabak was doing that right exactly exactly and even for kind of candy where yeah we had the physical minis to interact on the board with but you know the the shot of like you know Liam's arrow going over the sea and hitting someone on another boat that we didn't like stop in the middle of taping to let Shabak <laughs> shoot that that happened on a whole different day different set of circumstances uh, Shabak is a pro. He's a master at like when he's directing, he's he's like composing his shot list for like a week from the end of uh, principal game photography being like, I'm going to come back in. Me and Santi are going to like set this all up and we're going to get all these like insert shots. Also, shout out to Shabak. Shout uh, out uh. to Shabak. Exactly. <laughs> um. Um, okay. Um what came first, the murder mystery setting or the cast? Like, uh, was, was the idea discussed with the cast or did you come up with the murder mystery beforehand? So the, the concept of Mice and Murder came first, but um, it almost like that, that was in an older pitch document. And then the idea of having an all college humor cast kind of came about, it wasn't like we said, mice and murder, who should we cast? I know all college humor. It was kind of like this idea had existed for a while. And then we said, wouldn't it be great to do a game with the whole college humor cast? And then kind of had the peanut butter and jelly and, you know, put it together, right? Um, so uh, uh, it just was sort of an awesome fit and it felt really fun to do something this heightened and goofy and, you know, uh, over the top with like all of our college humor friends. Awesome. Um, okay. So do you feel that Dimension 20 is now fully adjusted to shoot during the pandemic or there will always be things that like don't feel completely, uh, uh, not, let's not call it perfect, but uh, uh, things that doesn't work like as much as they could have been? Um, I think that we, um, I think that in terms of shooting in the pandemic, we solved a lot of our issues and Mice and Murder is definitely the best remote season in terms of specifically tackling remote logistics we've ever done. And I think that's, that's a big credit to David Kearns and to Ebony Hardin and to our awesome uh, production staff and, and also to our, our tech and IT people like Ryan Green and Matt LaForest and Rommel Rodriguez um, who just got better every season. So I think that like um, Mice and Murder definitely is like the pinnacle of our remote technology and figuring out how to make that work the best. Um, uh, but I think also there was this attitude from us of knowing that, that the whole globe was working on ending the pandemic that um, was aware that this was a skill set we were building for a temporary set of circumstances, right? So it's like we wanted to get as good as we could at shooting remote, but there's also a certain degree of like, um, 
let's solve these problems, but also we don't want this to become the permanent thing we do. Like the goal is to one day return to the dome. So um, I think we're really proud of the remote work that we did, but also within that, it was always like, hey, this turned out really, really well and we're really proud of the work we did. And also when it is safe to do so, we'll of course be really thrilled and excited to get back into physical space together. That's awesome. I miss the dome. The dome is so good. Sure. <laughs> I'm in the dome. So it's a partial return. We have, you know, I went back to the dome. Um, but yeah, I totally, totally hear you. Um, also, where did you set up the dome? I mean, like, oh. it, it, is it like the warehouse that's always referred to in uh, a crown of candy? Yes, it's in a warehouse. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the dome actually is in a semi-permanent studio space now. So, so uh, and it exists along with a lot of the other tech and equipment for dropout overall. So we kind of have a nice central hub that is really helpful. Um, I'm trying to think, it's currently in the place. It's no, it's, is it? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's in. Yes, it, it, it's in it's in a, a good a good spot for us um, uh, on, on a semi permanent basis. I don't know that it will stay there forever, but it's in a good place and it's been living there throughout the pandemic. So um, but it's a nice cozy st a studio space that also has some other dropout resources in there. Awesome. Um, OK, so this next next question is something that I'm sure you've been wondering uh, before you shot this season. Um, but yeah, I'll ask it anyway. Does this campaign have the potential for PVP? <laughs> please, please write to your readers that I waggled my eyebrows in response to that question. <laughs> um, uh, uh, th this is a classic murder mystery. Um, and in addition, you know, the, the meaning that the central, uh, there actually, in terms of like done it, like the, in, in, when you talk about murder mystery, you talk about like a who done it, a how done it, a why done it. Um, this is kind of all of them, right? We don't know, uh, uh, there are many questions in this season, not only about who the culprit could be, but perhaps how the murder was carried out or why, what was the motive behind it. Um, suffice it to say, um, our fans of the show will be able to theorize. I do not think there is a single character in the show that fans are able to rule out as a possible suspect for the murder. Um, and... Uh, our PCs likewise uh, exist in a degree of uncertainty. So our PCs don't actually know. Um, uh, our PCs were not guaranteed that uh, the culprit would be a, 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 an NPC, if that answers your question. Okay. I mean, I did get lots of questions, like for example, who is the killer and why is it Grant? <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very funny. That's very, very funny. <laughs> um, and also uh, someone asked uh, if it's Sam because he's been there the whole time. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. Um, okay, so yeah, fine. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the, the mystery uh, in, in the mystery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, are you a fan of murder mystery stories? Is it something like you love as a reader? I would say that for me, um, uh, I do I do love murder mysteries. Um, uh, you know, I was reading a ton of Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie, um, uh, watched Clue in anticipation of, of doing this. There's like a lot of fun stuff in the genre. Um, it's just such a great flavor. And that in Dimension 20, we're just looking as an anthology show, we're just looking for like, what is a tone or mood we haven't hit yet? Um, and it's just super fun to do that kind of drawing room, gaslight, murder mystery thing. We just, it's really, really fun. Um, and uh, especially in that like Sherlock Holmes world of like these super genius investigators or people with like these high skill levels and these various things, it's just really, really rewarding to do. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I am a fan of the genre. There's not too many genres I'm not a fan of, if I'm being honest, which is great because Dimension 20 makes you do all the different genres. Yeah, um, this was, I think this was the uh, the hint that this, uh, this season, this genre, the murder mystery was the one that uh, Dimension 20 didn't do yet. Yes. Um, um, okay. So um, someone asked me about the combat. What's the uh, combat going to be like? Um, combat is going to be very different in this season. One of the interesting things about this is, um, uh, and I will let people, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for people, but we certainly do not do the like role play episode battle episode, right? part of the the thing of a murder mystery as a genre is that for being about a murder, violence is extremely rare in murder mysteries. Like it's very rare as you're solving the case, moments where danger appears have to be given a tremendous amount of weight and significance and importance. So we definitely do that in this season. Like moments, moments of extreme danger and violence are themselves like very special they are they have a lot of weight underneath them um and we definitely it's not definitely like you know you look back at some of our other seasons that are like high swashbuckling adventure and fantasy with lots of action sequences this is a lot of like mystery and puzzle solving collecting data and being very careful and sneaky and so it's not a thing where it's like two hours of mystery solving two hours of knockdown drag out brawl um it's much more sewn together Part of that is the benefit of having the entire Rick Perry set there because I knew that battle could happen whenever it needed to or that violence or danger could break out whenever it needed to because everywhere they're going is represented in a physical set. So there was definitely that element of like, um, how do you put it? There was definitely an element of... uh, freedom there and in our case freedom meant not having to have non-stop battle it meant the freedom to have the threat of battle be ever present and just like the shark and jaws it's just showing itself very uh, uh only at the right moments okay so technically you did 10 episodes of an escape room 
Yes, basically. Honestly, there's a <laughs> it's ten episodes of an escape room with a lot of bits and jokes. Uh, uh, and again, yeah, you know, it's not so. So even though we're using D and D as a system, there is not like a brutal combat where they're like just mur because that would be crazy if it's like okay, we're solving a murder, and in the very in the second episode they like kill five people, and it's like. Well, wait a minute. Which murder are you solving? The first one or the next five that you just did? Um, so you know, yeah, death, death, and violence is very special in the setting. It's very rare. While I find Brennan to be a delightful DM, I always find he plays the most the most interesting characters like Moss Brow or Deadeye. Is there any scenario where Brennan wouldn't be DMing a season or side quest? Also, even though we have no details about the current upcoming side quest. What might Brennan's mousy PC be like were he a player? Whoa, that's <laughs> very, very cool. Um, well, that's a very kind question. Um, yeah, I would love to PC. Um, if we, and th that person's so kind to mention Deadeye and Mossbrow, two, two, two PCs that I really, I love being a player character. Um, I would leap at the opportunity to I would leap at the opportunity to jump <laughs> on the other side of the screen. It's a lot of leaping and jumping going on here. Um, but I would, yeah, I would, I would be thrilled. Um, we just need to find someone who, who would be willing to, who we could approach to run that game, um, which, which, you know, I think the, the, uh, uh, I would be thrilled to do that. And I think it would be, I would love to play, especially if I got to play with some of these other awesome side quests, you know, there's like customers I want to be able to play with as a player. Um, but, you know, shockingly, um, uh, a lot of people that, D dungeon master professionally often are very busy with their own streams and projects you know it would like uh uh everyone i've ever talked to, like you know brian murphy was kind enough to invite me on nadpod but you know brian's busy dming nadpod it would be you know we I, i'm sure that he would it would be so fun for him to jump into the hot seat in the dome but that's a it's a big ask it's you know because he's very busy with his own uh stuff so it's a it's a little bit of a trick finding people that would be excited to come in and take on that responsibility and also t just take on the work. It's a lot of work. You can't, you know, it's, it's not something that people that can do unless they can devote several weeks or a month or two to like putting the game together. So um, it's, it's about finding people who have that availability, have that skill set, um, and then also are uh, psyched to do it and not too busy with their own stuff. Um, I think there's a possibility it will happen one of these days uh, and I will be so excited for it when it does. You know, uh, I remember that uh, in I'm Actually, uh, one of the episodes, uh, Trap uh, was replaced by Ify, Ify in Wadiway. Yeah. Uh, so so maybe you, you could do a one shot or something like that. Um, pretty cool. I think it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, so lots of questions about uh, core cast members. Where are the mice? We already talked about all that. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a fun one. Uh, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Uh, how was it asking all your coworkers to make personas? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, it was so fun. Well, it's very funny because I think that there are a lot. Uh, I've, I've answered this like 
never I've never answered this in an interview before but but amongst my friends and stuff yeah it's so great there are there are a lot of wonderful fans in these internet spaces who build community around things like fursonas right or or sort of like shipping characters there will be like popular ships within fandom spaces and that's so exciting and fun and great but what's interesting is obviously that a lot of these things do exist in prior capacities like human beings have been telling love stories and and like writing romance stories for thousands of years prior to the idea of like fandom shipping right and similarly human beings I think the first story human beings ever told was probably about talking animals. Like the day after, you know, early, what, Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal was like, hey, like I've noticed that we can speak using words. Like day one, they were like, what if that wolf could do that? Like, you know, that's (laughs) like, people have been telling stories about talking animals forever. It's like the first cool, even as kids, you're like, what if animals could talk? and uh, so I think that, like, in terms of uh, in terms of thinking about this as our personas, we were probably approaching it more from the perspective of just like, <laughs> hey, stories about animals are so cool. Like, and there's been it, this is the the territory here couldn't be more well tread. This is literally like forget literature. This predates civilization. You know, like of, of stories about talking animals. Um, that being said, uh, uh, I'm so excited to see all of people's, people's awesome OCs for this season and their awesome personas that are maybe uh, adjusted for, for like time period or genre. Uh, it's so deeply cool. Like those fandom spaces, there's so much creativity and positivity. But it's just interesting because I think that from our vantage point, we, we are approaching it from a very different um relationship to these concepts and obviously we're like internet savvy enough and like meme aware enough to be like oh it's funny these are like these are definitely like our personas um but again the attitude that we're bringing to that is very much one more of just like that like genre genre awareness from not necessarily coming from a fandom uh genesis but coming instead from that like oh existing in the genre of red wall and um you know, uh, Wind in the Willows and kind of that like genre reference. Awesome. So I have uh, the last question here Mm -hmm. is, I think it's a good one to end this on. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the most important part of running a good murder mystery? Whoa, that's a deep question. What is the most important part of running a good murder mystery? I talk a lot about this in some of our adventuring parties for this season. It's really hard. This is one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. Like doing a murder mystery like this was really, really hard. One of the things I would say is this, if you're running it, if you're writing a novel, it's different. If you're running it for characters, you have to create a mystery that stays mysterious as it is being discovered and as it is being discovered in any order. The hardest thing to do with player characters is keep them on rails. So what you wanna think about is think about like designing an amusement park, right? 
in an amusement park, there's no wrong order to go in. You can go to the attractions and the roller coasters and the restaurants and the parades and the events in any order you want. And the park has been designed so that every of the different pathways you take is beautiful and interesting. And there's like bathrooms and food and there's stuff there to like, the, the, the infrastructure is there to support however you wanna do this. With the mystery, obviously, but it's not just about having fun on an amusement park day. It's also about the fact that the mystery needs to be com complex in this fashion where as you are picking up the, the sort of puzzle pieces and putting them together, that the shape of what you are building really isn't gonna be fully revealed until the very final puzzle pieces are placed. So in other words, if you have this idea of like, okay, the clues at the end of the mystery kind of explain everything that happened before them, well, what happens if your heroes skip all the first steps and go to the end? And they get that puzzle piece and now they've explained everything before them. So you kind of wanna build it in a way where the full context needs everything. Because then no matter what order they solve the mystery in, there is always some dramatic catharsis in getting a piece of information, um, even if that piece of information theoretically was supposed to come earlier or later. Wow, that's that's so good. That's such, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also good for writing uh, in general. Like that's, a, that's a, an awesome idea. Thank you. Um, Okay, Brennan, thank you so much for this one. Uh, before we uh, depart uh, until our next season, until the next season of Dimension 20, uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, do you have anything you want to say to the readers uh, or the watchers of this uh, on YouTube? Anything you, you're excited about about this season? Uh, I'm just so excited for people to see this incredible cast and our amazing production, post-production crews, incredible work. This is one of the most gorgeously produced seasons of the show and the cast are so phenomenal in it. Uh, and I just want to thank everyone for supporting the show. And if you haven't, I encourage you to check it out. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Brennan. I love you. And I'll talk to you ah, soon again. Love you, my friend. Be well. Talk soon. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of Geek Peak before I send you over to consume the next piece of content. I want to thank my patrons, Bob Prescott and Arthur Morrill. Thank you again so much for being part of this journey. If you want to join them and have early access and shout outs just like these, then please visit my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Oren Cohen. And thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next one.